What is up, family? You guys are in for a treat today. I have my friend, Christy Woods, and we are talking about the power of sacred union, sex magic, and manifesting. This was a special episode we filmed a couple months ago, and you are going to hear a few different references of a couple's retreat. So that was going to that was supposed to happen in May, which is this month of 2022. Um, it didn't happen for scheduling reasons and just alignment with the new course that I'm pushing out. It's called Fear Alchemy. You can register for that right now as well if you feel called to that. This doesn't mean that we're not going to do a couple's retreat because I love Christy and I would love um, to bring our magic in this container uh, at a later time. But so if you do feel that, you can still show your interest. All the links and fun stuff are in the show notes, are in the description. So if you feel called, go check out those links so you can be notified of when those things are announced. But let's get into this episode with Christy because she is a -a one-of-a-kind medicine woman. She has a background as a sex, love, and relationship coach. Unique perspective. You're going to hear about all her marriage, her relationship, the journey, the twists, the turns, the ups, the downs, everywhere has gone to where she is now. And it's a beautiful, whether you are in a relationship or not, it's a beautiful conversation so you can apply this perspective in any way that you want to the relationship you're in now or that you are creating. So without further ado, me and Christy, let's go. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. So we were talking about the masculine and feminine energies, you and Colin, your partner of real life versus in the sexual realm. Right. Well, so Colin and I have been together for 21 years and just even in this lifetime have had multiple relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. And we can get through all of that and in the current iteration, which is my favorite. Um, I guess that's a good thing. This current one's your favorite. The current one <laughs> is my favorite. Um, I The first 13 years of the relationship actually was not so great. Um, we truly mirrors of the unconscious, feminine and masculine expressing in each other and in our faces, letting us know and reminding each other of where we are immature, not integrated, Mm. still in trauma. Those first 13 years, were you doing, quote unquote, the work at all? Or was it No, we were completely asleep. We were just, yes, completely high vibrational beings. Mm -hmm. So able to manifest what we put our minds to, but never able to hang on to it. So being able to create abundance, but not really create uh, wealth, for example. And um, just unaware. I mean, we were in that, what Tony Robbins would call level one relationship, the blame game. Mm. You know, everything that's going on with me is all Colin's fault. Everything going on with him is all Christie's fault. And we don't realize that 
were playing a part. In fact, my awakening really came in, I was always connected to this spiritual aspect. I was raised in a very religious house home that did not resonate with me, Mm. but my intuitive abilities, my empathic abilities had me connected to myself, to my center, to my truth. I've always been connected to that. So thankfully, I did not pick up a lot of programming from the East Texas garden that I grew up in. Like I see my sisters dealing with now. I don't have a lot of that. I I, I still have some, Um, but there's the trauma of being highly sensitive. So starting to disassociate with my feelings, disassociate with my emotions and really just block my heart Mm. in a major way. So when Colin came into my life, my heart was completely blocked. And you met in college, was that right? We met in college at the Uh University of Texas here in Austin. And he was really expressing his love in a big way. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. And I was not able to receive that big love. And in the first year, he was okay with that. I think he was so head over heels and Mm. he would tell you that it was love at first sight, that he had never had thoughts of getting married and having children until the moment he saw me presenting in one of our classes and (laughs) literally got that download and thought it was the weirdest thing ever, but then started to pursue me pretty aggressively. And I was nursing a broken heart. And like I said, all this trauma that as we get older, when it's undealt with, we're sort of resilient as children and teenagers. It's not really until your early 20s that it's it it's it starts stacking up. It's, that density starts mm-hmm. getting really heavy. So um, for me, I was I was closed off, unable to receive. And at the same time, there was a depth that we could see each other at that was really the magnet drawing him to me and me to him. So no matter how toxic the relationship got, the just ugly, bitter things, dark (laughs) things that we shared and um, projected onto each other, we remained committed in this relationship. It really, when I look back, it blows my mind. That's where the idea of twin flame comes in, that that relationship, which is the sole contract that says, I will wake you up out Mm. of your stupor if it's the last thing I do. And I will handle and take all of um, the drama that comes with it. And it was really both of us for each other. And by the time we get to 2015, our house had flooded and we were living in a hotel. We were living in Barton Creek Hotel. And we have two boys, Achilles and Cruz, now 14 and 10. And Colin was traveling a lot, working and just sort of out of sight, out of mind. And the relationship had really, the intimacy was just not there. There was a family, a closeness that we had where you kind of always know this person has my back. But as far as the intimacy of someone really being able to see you and Mm -hmm. hold you in that commitment of sacred union was not there. 
And my heart was aching big time. And there was one of those nights that I would say I had my dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. where I went all the way in, fully surrendered, allowed myself to feel the emotions, the ugly cry. I was so disassociated with my, I was not feeling any of that. I was the perfectionist, Mm -hmm. put on a really good face. We're living here in Westlake. We have our shit together. And this was me allowing myself to just fall all the way in and also release myself from the attachment to the relationship because that had become such a big identity for me. At this point, we've already been together for 13 years. We have two children together. He is my best friend. Mm -hmm. But for me and my experience in that moment, it was this realization of, I need more. I want more. I can't do this anymore. And I literally had to go all the way into the depth of if I am homeless on the side of the street, that's better wow. than this is how I felt in that moment. It was the the loneliness. And this is in the hotel? This is living at Barton Creek for okay. a month after our house floods. Yeah. And so they're fixing that. I've got um, my car, which is a Tesla, and I need to charge it. They don't have a charging station. So trying to figure out how to do that, get the kids back and forth, work. Again, Colin's traveling the majority of the time, and I'm really by myself doing this. Um, it, it The overwhelmment really is what got me to the place. And I think that's what happens right before someone has a big breakthrough. That yep. original awakening is life just get so beyond what they can handle, what they can suppress, what they can ignore. And I just couldn't ignore it anymore that something was, you know, I would have said at the time something was really wrong with the relationship that I was in. Mm. Ultimately, it was, I was so out of alignment with myself. Mm. Something was really wrong with the relationship that I was in with myself. Colin was just the mere projection of that lovingly from that much higher space of the soul contract that we've made for each other. But I had fully surrendered and decided enough is enough and the relationship is over. So you said this to him? Not to him. I made the decision this night and truly made the decision, truly, all of the, Mm -hmm. what that looks like, that's the scary part, right? Of what does my new, exactly. And that is what allowed the amazing grace moment. I, I, I listened to that song and we were speaking earlier about my voice activating. It, it started happening two years ago and it was inside of a ceremony just Colin and I were having for my birthday. We do every year. And that song spontaneously started to sing through me for the first time. And I hit every note. Mm. And I, I'm i not a singer. I would not... I mean, maybe I can hold kind of a tune, but that's mm-hmm. not something that I did before. So that was pretty miraculous for me. But that amazing grace moment when you really listen to those words, the that moment where you just fully surrender... And let go of that ultimate attachment for me with with Colin as my family. And we because my own family 
I had really sort of separated myself from. So he was really that mm. for me. It was a big deal. It wasn't just the ending of a relationship. A lot of safety. Yes. And really just essentially everything almost. Probably it felt to, it felt to you like the entire world. It was world. everything. The yeah. entire world. My entire world. Mm-hmm. And I was at peace with it. And I went to sleep. That night, his dad who had passed away earlier that year, came to me in the dream. Clear as day, it was a lucid dream. I was fully awake and I knew I am speaking to someone who is on the other side. Again, from the perspective that I had, I had all of these ideas of who and what I am, what spirituality is, what religion is. But what I did know was he was no longer in the physical world, and yet this was his consciousness come to me, speaking to me. And there were a lot of things we spoke of in that conversation, but a a big one was that two things that really stood out. First of all, he came and begged me to not leave. (laughs) And promised Mm. that everything was going to start shifting immediately. So he promised to you that it was going to start shifting. Yes. Mm. Um, I remember feeling, the feeling of being in his presence was a level of unconditional love I'd never felt in my life. And have you ever had dreams like this before? No. Okay. And I had never felt this kind of love in my life, just being in his presence I even remember feeling it um, when he, because I could tell in the dream when he was about to leave and there was sort of this panic of asking all these questions. Mm. When will I see, will I ever see you again was a question I asked as he was um, starting to fade away. And he looked at me in deadpan and (laughs) went, uh, duh. (laughs) And this was such a Lee expression Uh that Colin's dad would do. And I didn't know what that meant, but there were so, it was really even, um, even the experience of being with him. And I remember explaining this to Colin afterwards. He didn't feel like his connection to me was my father-in-law. It felt much bigger, much deeper Mm. than that. So that already had me thinking, what? Why do I feel so connected? So this is this is beginning to birth the idea and understanding of soul family, oh, right? Okay, okay. On a whole nother level, because this connection that I felt with his father was so beyond the relationship that I had with him in this physical lifetime. But that feeling of love, even waking up from that, and I could still feel his presence in the room cool. and my heart was just wide open tears and this this level of peace this level of home that i just i couldn't remember the last time i felt that way and that next morning there was an email that his wife Colin's stepmom had sent me i don't even know maybe a year earlier and i hadn't gotten around to watching it it was a video hmm. linked to a youtube video And it was just at the bottom of my emails. I keep them pretty organized and I hadn't watched it, but it was still there waiting for me. still unread. Exactly, literally. (laughs) Yeah. And I opened it up and it was a Christy Marie Sheldon video at Awesomeness Fest where she 
is talking about vibration and frequency mm. and Dr. Emoto and the water experiments that he did and David R. Hawkins and his emotional guidance scale. And everything in my body is lighting up. Everything in my body is just the chills, the clairsentient, right? And I don't understand at that time that this is an extrasensory perception that I have that is connected to my own truth. But in that moment, I could feel the, the resonance and the truth of what she was sharing and that I wasn't hearing it for the first time, that I knew it already. Mm. Even just explaining it or sharing it with someone else, it was suddenly like the code had been downloaded and I wasn't regurgitating something I read from a book and was still learning. It was something I knew and I understood. That led me on um, just this rabbit hole. This was the next morning. Still. This is the very wow. next morning, this rabbit hole on YouTube where I find another Christy, um, Christy Whitman, and she is having all these different conversations with people that I could kind of remember from um, The Secret, that movie that mm -hmm. had come out a couple years ago. And it's funny, I remember when that, that movie came out, Colin and I watching it, and this is before we had gone through an awakening. This was just the way I was saying we were high vibrational beings. Mm -hmm. We watched that and thought, that's not a secret. That's the way I've always lived my uh, life. Cool. We... The, that concept of manifestation and law of traction and how to, um, we didn't understand it to the level that we do now, which is why we could create it, but we couldn't necessarily hang on to it because mm. you're creating everything, right? Everything inside of you is creating that is true. everything outside of you. So for all the positive that we could express, there was still all of that suppressed, unintegrated trauma that we had yet to really deep dive into. And this next morning, when I come upon Christy Whitman, I go to her website and she has a coaching program. And I was studying my GRE. I was getting ready to go back to school and get uh, my therapy license mm. at UT. This was the plan. So I start looking into coaching and spiritual coaching, and this was just new for me, and yet it was resonating on another level of what I really wanted to be doing with people, what was really happening. Mm. Um, I felt like it was a more expanded version of therapy, which I did feel was outdated, but at the same time, I'm still very much in the matrix, and that's what you do. You go to school, you do this. I hadn't quite, I wasn't quite questioning all of that, um, even though it may not feel fully resonant. It was just what you did. In this case, this coaching felt a lot more resonant. And at the same time, it didn't feel like something I was always going to do. It felt like a stepping stone. And mm -hmm. I remember telling Colin, I talked to him uh, on the phone the next morning. I said, I told him what happened, of course, with his dad. And, and then the this spiral I went on on YouTube and all the information. And I said, I think this sounds so crazy. This sounds so weird. It it even hasn't quite landed on me, but I feel like I am going to be some type of spiritual teacher. Cool. <laughs> this is what's coming in, coming in for me at the time. I'm trying to make sense of it. And I tell him about this coaching program and um, that this isn't the end-all be-all, but it feels like it's the first step. And it was. It was the very first step of me really deep diving into 
me. This is when I start meditating on a regular basis. This is when Abraham Hicks Mm. comes into my life, Ask and It Is Given. Again, a book I read, the code downloads immediately. The remembering is there. This is what I know. Suddenly, a world that has never made sense to me in all of my entire life, really and truly, I'm going through the motions. I'm doing the thing. I'm being the mom. I have the job, but I'm internally going, what the fuck? I I, I don't care. So you mean your life as a whole? Yes. Didn't make sense. Okay. Yes. Suddenly, um, how they're explaining the way their understanding of the the vibration and frequency and the way the world operates with your emotions and and how how we are mirrors for each other. This makes sense to me. Hmm. And with the daily meditation, starts coming some real breakthroughs. I start opening my heart. I start remembering past uh, childhood memories that I had completely forgotten about. Mm-hmm. I start going in and doing the forgiveness practices. And it's the same year that we also um, go and go to Peru and drink ayahuasca together. For the first time? For the first time. Did that inspire? Did that like coaching or that deep dive into spirituality inspire that? Or were you planning it on it anyway? It was an opportunity that came in after all of that had started. What I believe at this point in time is we became a cooperative component for that timeline. Cool. That makes sense. So now this presents itself, which would have never presented itself otherwise. I'd never heard of it before. It wasn't some long planned thing I'd been thinking about. But the moment it was introduced, it was a full yes. I could feel my whole body light up and resonate. And um, we have tracked it a few years ago. We tracked to the biggest turning point in our relationship. And it does come from a lot of the clearing, a lot of the shadow work that was happening in those ayahuasca ceremonies, Mm. for sure. And that was a beautiful thing for our relationship because we had a lot of low-hanging fruit. (laughs) Uh What I mean by that is we had spent the first 13 years in this kind of loving each other, but in this sort of push-pull blame game where we could Mm. never really get into heart coherence, into sync with each other. And now that we had really started to clear the clutter of our own stuff, right? He obviously had a lot of his, the father wound coming up. I had a lot of the mother wound coming up that we were clearing. We were able to really see each other in a space where his heart had also started to close because since I wasn't able to receive his love... Mm -hmm. He had closed his heart. What happened was, as I started to go through the coaching program, my heart started to open. I started to be much more open to being able to share another level of love with him that I realized I had been taking for granted, sort of, he's always loving me, he's always there, he's always committed. But really, when my heart started to open and I started to share that, there was the realization of, oh, he can't receive this. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, both of us in our in our journey and and um 
you know, there's so many details of what starts to transpire, but the biggest ones were now starting to pay attention to our own so our own physical well-being, right? Mm. And our own meditation. And this is when we start getting really deliberate. We start segment intending moments that we're going into. We had been doing couples therapy at the time, which was getting us nowhere. When I started doing the coaching, I started applying a lot of these coaching processes that um, to, to our relationship that I was learning. And it was amazing how it was just freeing up so mm. much stuck energy. Do you remember one of those? Well, just an example, I mentioned the segment intending. I remember him coming home from, from work and he would often kind of be in this work mode mm. that he gets into and it's real and, and, um, my feminine definitely does not respond to that very well at all. <laughs> and normally I might just get re reactive and, and meet him where he's at. And then that becomes our evening. Mm. I mean, that's what it might look like. And instead I started, this was just me working. So now I'm not even necessarily, he's not even necessarily co co-creating. I just, he comes into the room He's um, comes home. He's in work mode. When he goes to change clothes, I drop into a meditation. Instead of reacting, I start imagining and intending when he comes back into the room, cool. how he'll show up, what that looks like, how I'll respond. I'm opening my heart. And lo and behold, he'd come in the room and he'd be this heart open, completely changed being. Hmm. And I started sharing after a while, I started sharing some of this and he, it really landed for him because he was noticing the relationship shift in a big way. And he was noticing that there were, there were so many more times where we were in harmony than disharmony, where it had been the other way around before. So now he's really open to starting to do things together. And he had grown up doing the forum and different programs like that, which had one sort of look at the ego. Hmm. So less in a spiritual from a spiritual aspect and more just from the linear um, let's look at the way that our mind yeah, gets like in psychological the way of, yeah. or mindset, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he had done a lot of that growing up and was really able to jump into a lot of this right away and respond immediately. It was all I had to do was shift myself even a little bit to start taking accountability and responsibility for my part in the play. But this is what I mean by that amazing grace going into that, that night that his father came. That surrender really allowed another level of consciousness to flood into me mm. so that I was able to see from his perspective different things that I was doing in the relationship that aggravated it, whereas the day before, I wasn't able to see that. That's the, the expanded consciousness. And there was so much of it. It was so dramatic in that night to go from one perspective of myself and the way I viewed the world and then to wake up the next day and have the the flood of consciousness that was that through that surrender that was now I had let go of I had released so much of that energy I'd been hanging on to 
So it opened space for new code, new consciousness to come into my body. So now how I understood myself, how I started to understand the world around me, even from my conversation with Lee and my dream, being able to put myself in Colin's perspective in a way I just hadn't been able to before, it really allowed me to forgive him and to see. And of course, that's when you know you're seeing your own shit because Mm. usually I feel a big stab in my solar plexus and I kind (laughs) of want to throw up, Uh you know? I was getting a lot of that and um, forgiving myself, you know, through this coaching program, learning what that looks like, learning, having the ability to forgive myself. I had a lot coming up around my mother, forgiving her, didn't even realize it. At this point, I had transferred everything to Colin that had disassociated mm. with the fact that I had anything going on with my parents. They, I, I thought everything was fine. Then when I started actually doing a lot of these processes, instead I would think I was going to do them with Colin. Um, and instead, these forgiveness practices or whatever that you might do with yourself internally when you're wanting to release that energy, it would be my mother that would show up. Interesting. She had also passed away that same year. So it's interesting. 2015 is a really pivotal year. I would say 2012 for us is when things start to get really chaotic. This is Colin. Um, he is the CEO of DJI North America. And I leave my sports marketing company to go be his director of operations. So DJI is now a $13 billion company. Drones, the original Phantom. This was Colin's yep. brainchild. So wow. he's running that. And so on the one hand, our our abundance and our expression in the world is really growing, but the toxicity in the relationship, and I would say really starting at 2012, and when you just look at astrologically kind of what is happening, we happen to be in China um, in this little town that DJI was named after, um, kind of in the hills where Buddhist monks will go. Very beautiful. In fact, I think what a lovely... Um, gift that our higher selves would have us energetically in that place during the 1221 winter solstice of uh, 2012. Mm. Um, So that was likely a beautiful activation that was completely unconscious to (laughs) us, right? And then our life gets really chaotic between 2012 and 2015, I believe, because Um, what began to open and activate inside of us and how we were to show up in a new timeline and the part that we're playing and bringing in new code and new frequency um, into this time and space. Well, everything that was not resonant with that, right, that that purest, highest potential um, was starting to come up. So all the toxicity in the relationship, there was financial woes, all, all of the different things that were clearing. And that's mm. what gets me to 2015 going, I can't do it. I, I can't. And of course, I'm not actually addressing any of those things. I am perfecting my way through all of those things and trying to um, not look at and pretend this doesn't exist and hide that and these kinds of things. It's not until 2015 that the full surrender comes. And 
Lee was right. Everything shifts. I go on this coaching program. I start learning these processes. I start um, realizing my part in the play. I start doing these forgiveness practices with my parents, especially my mom and Colin. He starts responding in kind. We go to Peru. The ayahuasca was certainly um, a big boost in clearing a lot of that dense, dark energy that had been tucked away for both of us since childhood. Mm. And so getting back to really the original question, <laughs> ah, see, yeah. I was still tracking. No, I love this it. Is the, this is beautiful though. Um, once we had cleared the density that was really standing in the way of our open hearts, really because the heart is the portal to this other dimension which we might call moving from 3D to 5D, right? Mm -hmm. This is opening the heart portal. So now we're able to do that with each other. And suddenly the polarity of our sexuality was just boom. Mm. We went from never having sex with each other. Really? Because, I mean, we would, you know. Probably compared to now, seems never. Well, we would, it would we would be so mad at each other, Uh, you see, that we would have to be both so sexually frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And therefore missing the whole point, but we didn't really know what the point was until we started to discover as we, this polarity in the relationship really started to heat up. We went from... Mm. Now we went from level one blame game to this sort of Tony Robbins level three relationship where we can really see each other. And now we're going out of our way to show affection and to speak the other person's love language. Mm. Now I want to do that. Before, I don't want to do that because I resent you so much for you not showing up for me over here that I'm just going to give you the cold shoulder all night. Mm. So this is a big part of our existence in that first 13 years. Now we're suddenly actually heart opened, showing up for each other. And we're just doing what we're inspired to do. Even at this point, we don't necessarily have tools of, hey, this is what would really open the feminine up. This is what the masculine would really respond to. We're just doing what's naturally... We've lived together for 13 years. We're best friends. We know each other very well. So we are just doing that and the it's just we can't get enough and for probably a good 2 years we really didn't even have to work at it at mm. all it was just so natural it was that's what i mean by the low hanging fruit it cool. was sort of like that. the the sexual frustration and the love and what was available as far as the expansion of the relationship in the first 13 years that had never even been touched was suddenly flooding in and we were getting access to that and taking full advantage, especially in those first two years of that awakening. And it's probably not until around 2017, 2018, that new contrast starts getting introduced into the relationship. And and what that is simply is that, okay, we've sort of caught up to <laughs> the expanded version mm-hmm. of who we really are. And now we're really going there because at this point we are meditating every single day. 
um, you know, just speaking of the, the, the physical well-being tune-up, um, you know, we sauna, cold plunge, we do yoga several times a week. Um, we go hiking, we're in nature, nature several times a week. Um, we do NAD once a month. We do different types of IVs. So this is all just like a physical tune-up. But by this time, we had done the ceremonies, the ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru. And that same year, so in 2015, we decide to have a birthday party for Colin in which we'll do some MDMA. It's fun. Other people had done that as well. But in this case, we'd gone to other birthday parties where people had done that. And we didn't think much of it other than we wanted it to be more ceremonial and more deliberate and mirror a lot of what we had learned in Peru with the ayahuasca ceremony, sort of bring in the spirituality aspect. We had no idea what that was going to do. We, um, yeah, spirit science videos, any, any sort of contacts, videos from Gaia that were kind of introducing concepts of the heart portal and mm. the toroidal field, right? We're introducing that to our friends. We had everybody sit down and watch before we <laughs> take the medicine. And, um, but what happened inside of that particular ceremony was very, very different than what had happened at these other more casual MDMA birthday parties that we had gone to. And the expansion that we started to the when i say that sort of the code like the realization the the consciousness expansion like very quickly able to see much broader perspective and observing the other uh there were 10 other people there were 12 total in that first ceremony um the trajectory of their lives and our lives happening after that this was us we didn't realize at the time but we're opening a portal into another dimension, which is saying yes to major expansion, major upgrades happening in that moment in time. And on the other side of that, just like if you go to Peru and drink ayahuasca, the real work begins when you get home and you start mm -hmm. integrating what came in, right? into your three-dimensional human life and any aspect of you that is not fully integrated, that is not in resonance with that broadest perspective. Because this portal, what I mean by this, is literally stepping into a level of self-mastery inside of that portal that was just mind-blowing. And then, of course, it's the next day and you can remember, but you're not actually embodied, mm -hmm. right? And so begins the journey of integrating as much of that that you can embody into your 3D experience. And again, at the time, we're, we don't, we understand the concept of integration and how important that is from the journey, the ayahuasca journeys, but we don't realize that our little ceremony here in Austin for Colin's birthday was going to create 
the same kind of expansion, the same kind of opportunity. So saying yes to going into a container like that is also saying yes to all the contrast that's going to happen on the other side. The beautiful part of that and what we began to observe with our friends that were going on these journeys with us. So we had the group that had gone to Peru with us. That was a small group. It was a separate group that came to the Love Fest. And I call it Love Fest. And those in those days, it was not called Love Fest. That was just Colin's birthday. Love Fest is a ceremony now that we do um, when I feel inspired and called to do that. And it is based on this original ceremony that we did have. But at the time, it was just a birthday party for Colin. Um, what we noticed with Colin and I is we were of our friends at the time, one of the only ones in a fully committed relationship. Oh, wow. So most of those people were in open relationships or not in relationships. Some of them were married. They're all divorced now. Mm. So what was happening is very, in, in real time, very quickly, Colin and I were integrating what was coming in in these in these ceremonies. So the next ceremony we have is a year later, and by this time we had gone to Peru again, drank ayahuasca, also um, did Wachuma um, with Don Howard in Peru, and. That was a different group, a more expanded group that went. And so we invited that group into our next ceremony, still not called Love Fest, but this is a year later. So there's 25 of us total in that second one. And again, um, we didn't know what was going to happen, but we got very deliberate. We started incorporating breathwork. This is prior to me getting breathwork um, certified as a facilitator but I was always very resonant. I could definitely notice that the breath was a portal to opening up the faculties to bringing you into another realm, right? Bringing, opening up into another dimension. So, but this is us casually learning it, bringing it in a little bit. Um, we were still just MDMA was the medicine that we were using. And not only did that portal open, but it was even more expanded. And I could tell based on the consciousness that was present in that container. So these are things we all know now, but this is me learning in real time. Whoa, okay, what's happening here? How is the collective conscious? of the folks that are here affecting this container? How is how we're opening this container affecting this container? Mm -hmm. What is my part in this play? That is really just the, um, and then of course, everything that's happening inside of the portal that the, the perspective and understanding of past lives that we had all had together. In that second one, I knew going in, um, a big part of my love fest ceremony is the song Forgive by Trevor Hall. Mm. I remember when that song downloaded in me to be part of the playlist, because um, the playlist that are inside these ceremonies is, is um, that's 
it's channeled. It just starts to come through. Um, the same with my breath work. I will just start getting hits of the song. My fingers will just start moving themselves. I've gone into a ceremony and 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 inside of it realized, oh, I was testing myself where I created the playlist literally 10 minutes before we were going wow. into the ceremony. And I thought, it's never going to work this time. And then it's so perfect and it's so brilliant. And you are just reminded that, um, and, you know, just so, it, and, and I feel like it, it's meant to be said is we're mm. not doing this all the time. This is, these, these are very deliberate containers. You're not are, doing it every weekend. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, uh, especially in those days, it was once a year. And um, and I think, you know, like I said, on the other side of the container, you have expanded. There will be contrast that is going to come up, that is going to show up because you have, you have said yes to deliberately expanding your consciousness beyond where it has been before. And you don't forget, you always know, you have already mm-hmm. gone there. So now you have no other choice but to integrate your three-dimensional self to get into harmony with your highest, most expanded version of who you really are and any part of you that's out of resonance with that is going to be the contrast that comes up. So as we began to understand, you know, as beautiful as that container and that ceremony was, and yes, being able to see the past lives, being able to understand um, different aspect, clear so much of the inner child trauma inside of these ceremonies, um, there is an embodiment of, you know, I've seen the voices, right, get activated, the dance. I mean, literally DNA being upgraded, the code is being upgraded. And so now on the other side, you are meant to clear anything that's not in resonance with that. So if you're still in the clearing stage of one ceremony, don't go into another. I've seen Mm. people go through the journey of learning that the hard way. Um, For Colin and I, And we didn't know it at the time, but the blessing was our commitment to each other. So what I mean by that is we were holding each other so accountable. So for example, if I'm in this open relationship and I have started to open myself spiritually, it doesn't necessarily have to be with a psychedelic journey. It could be a breath work. It could be Mm -hmm. I've started to incorporate yoga and meditation every day into my routine. I'm starting to clear some stuff. And in in order to really, it's it's not a test, but it's it is an introduction of your outer world to say, okay, are you going to make a higher choice in this moment? Right. So the relationship's going to create, I and mean, it's usually relationship that creates some sort of contrast. What is the choice that I'm going to make? And what we noticed is the ones that weren't in relationship or were in open relationship instead of facing that demon, so to speak, as they force themselves to Mm. see their part in the play, in the contrast of the relationship, because I think relationship is what creates so much opportunity for expansion, right? I agree. Like just even in the past year with Belle, I've done more work individually and together more than 
ever before. Like it's like constant mirror, constant accountability is what you're saying. Constant accountability. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have that mirror in front of you, it's so easy to look the other way. It's so Mm -hmm. easy to pretend all is well. But when you have, and the more intimate that mirror is, right? They are looking at you. They know, and and either you have the ability to look yourself in the face and and feel good about it, and you know because with Colin and I, we will feel the tension in our relationship. And as much as our we want to be in resonance, we will feel that we are not in resonance. So that means there's some truth. There's some. Hmm. Um, inability, and it may be that we don't even yet know what it is. All we know is we can feel the tension in the relationship. And of course, we can choose to bypass it and get along for the sake of our kids and to show up in the world. But when it comes to the most intimate practice of really going into that deep, sensual, sexual, sacred union space, if there is a block there, it must be addressed. Mm. And when it is addressed, finally, when we get to the bottom of, and usually it's some need, some desire, or some boundary that Mm. hasn't been spoken. I love that. It really comes down to that. Say that again. Some need, some boundary, desire. desire, or boundary Mm. that hasn't been spoken. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so when you talk about like sacred union, sexuality. So I'm so curious to hear how you have, you mentioned at the very beginning of 2012, like being able to accrue wealth, but not hold it. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, I'm curious, how has sacred, sacred sexuality and I'm like bringing that into manifesting together and using that intentionality like what does that look like and i'd love to hear of like some stories of like we know that this is what influenced this to come in Mm -hmm. does that make sense yes okay (laughs) so most all relationships that are romantic in nature are having sex and making Mm -hmm. love so to speak Mm -hmm. um they're having that experience To the level of truth that those two have the ability to dive into, to the level of depth. So you may be brand new, you just started dating. Truth is easy for you, but there's not a lot of depth because there's not a lot of history in the relationship. Because as you get to know each other, right? So, So with Colin and I, the blessing of those first 13 years of having spewed every possible emotional poison (laughs) you could is he has seen me. He has seen the absolute darkest, Mm. darkest parts of me, the parts that would scare the shit out of most people. And he has stood there and held that and vice versa. So that level of depth is already there because of the 20 the nature of the 21 year relationship and having spoken our truths right in those moments those were just 
the ugly, dark, projected truth, right? But I'm sharing it all. I'm putting it all out there. Mm -hmm. You have witnessed it. You have held it. And you're still here. That's big. Because what we, just going back to watching ourselves integrate after these ceremonies and then witnessing these other relationships completely unravel and lives just really start to go haywire as they're trying to um, integrate, right? This other level of consciousness they've been able to reach through the ayahuasca within our ceremony is that Colin and I are holding each other through it. We are so committed to the relationship that no matter how much it hurts to realize that in this moment, there is a block. There is something cutting the connection that Mm. you and I have. And yet I'm not going to go over here and have my relationship with my other person, right? I'm going to stay here and I'm going to feel all my ickiness because I have no other choice. You see, Mm. in the first 13 years, what we were doing is that was happening and we might be living in it, but when, but, or then we could suppress it enough or push it to the side enough to be able to get along and actually raise children and run businesses together. Where we are now is when that inner child piece in me has come up and he may or may not be able to hold it. I'm still sitting in the ickiness of Mm. this is real, this is happening in me, and I'm going to feel all of the things that come up as a result. He's going to do the same thing. Usually it's triggered by one or the other of us (laughs) because that's what the relationship does. And then when we get on the other side and we know that we're on the other side because suddenly the energy is lifted and the polarity is back in full force. So it's like, whew, oh, wow. So I can feel this. So, you know, when people talk about growth is not linear, right? Mm-hmm. It's It looks like the spiral. So we get to this pinnacle place where I've never felt closer to you. This is amazing. It could never get better. It's never felt better ever, right? And now we know enough to know this too shall pass and to suck the nectar out of this and to appreciate it and to really download the remembrance of what this feels like and the knowing of what it is to be together in that level of resonance. Um, Because inevitably the spiral continues, the seasons continue. And next thing you know, the next level of expansion is going to be triggered and likely it's going to be one or the other. And it requires both of us, not one of us, but both of us. This is that sacred union. This is that twin flame connection. Both of us having to realize our part in the play, hold, soothe that less integrated part and mature it so that we can get to the place where we're holding the sacred masculine feminine polarity, the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what I was talking about earlier is 
naturally, he is the masculine and I am the feminine. And that is our natural polarity. And we really play that out in our everyday lives, raising our children, running our businesses. He is very much the linear doer. Mm -hmm. And I am very much the... um, creative force of the I am the the visionary of what I can see where is this going cool. I'm sitting in on meetings going nope this doesn't feel right let's not go in this direction he wants me to um when he's hiring someone new or going into some type of business partnership bringing in that intuition saying does this feel right does this feel like this is resonant with where we want to go mm. and it's always a clear yes or no. And it's that level of reverence for each other and what we bring to the table of that relationship that allows us to really embody that in the the everyday living of life. In the sexual realm, as we began to expand with each other, so this is two, two a segue, but this is tracking two different things you had asked the sacred union portal, that sexuality. So when it comes to manifestation, mm-hmm. how you use that in your favor, how you bring two into one, so one, two become three. And if you look, right, one, two, three, infinity. So one, that's, mm. yeah, that's the holy, tr- the one, two, three, infinity. And you have the Vesca Pisces, if you think of, the circle as me, this one, this one's in this other circle is calling the overlapping part, right? That's the Horus of our relationship. That's what we're creating together. So this is what, you know, outside of that is what I'm creating on my own, what he's creating on his own. After 21 years, that's pretty much like one big circle. So, cool. so we are hit the abundance that he brings in, even if it's through his linear, that is very much connected to my money programs, Interesting. my vibration. I have everything to do with that because that is our abundance. That's what the Horus of our relationship mm. is creating. So we have to clear that together. So manifesting though in the in the sacred union to the highest potential is that level of depth and the level of truth. So what I mean by that is, if you are not sharing your whole truth with your sacred union partner, and now you're going in and you're wanting to manifest something together, well, there's going to be, even if it's subconscious, some level of guilt, some level of shame. Let's say you're cheating on your partner. You love your partner, but you also have this other thing happening, right? She's unaware of. Now you're going in, you're going to create, oh, this is pure. I love her. Yes. But your vibration isn't fully clean. Mm-hmm. So, to that extent, right? For her, she may be putting on performance inside of the um, the sexual union, right? So she thinks she needs to perform in this way when, um, which looks like pleasure and everything that we think of when we're having sex, but maybe what's really going on in her is grief. Mm. So when she has the ability to go into sexual union with you and express her grief, like just, Mm-hmm. pouring down crying when you guys are making love. That's another level of surrender, another level of truth that for her as the feminine in that 
respect, right? And because that's, it, let's say that's the part she's playing. She's the feminine in that, and you're holding the space as the masculine. The pure potentiality of that unmanifested matter, that baby, so to speak, <laughs> that you're creating is very, very potent. As opposed to, I'm feeling sexually frustrated and we haven't had sex in a while and let's have sex. And there's not any sort of deliberateness going into that. It's beautiful, but it doesn't actually create something real that you can call in together. So you were asking, okay, what is something that you guys called in together? I would say um, the entire journey of this second season of The Amazing Race that we went on. So Amazing Race season 31, we were on The Amazing Race season five, and then 15 years later. And that's an interesting experience because season five uh, was pretty traumatic for us. We were knee deep in that blame game and we were (laughs) playing it out on live TV for the entire world to see, plus editing. And there were many nights that Colin slept on the couch because I was so bitter and resentful at the way he showed up, um, right? Embarrassed and, um, you know, my ego. It, and I, how can, no, I don't want everyone to see this is what my relationship looks like mm. behind closed doors. How could you, um, right? Well, by this time, we're going back. And what inspired it was um, we hadn't watched Amazing Race. We kind of put that in the back of our, like, okay, that was the thing that happened and we'll never Mm -hmm. think about it again was really how we thought of it. Then we had our children and we were looking for, they were old enough, we were looking for good family shows to watch together and Amazing Race popped up. Mm -hmm. And they love reality shows and competitions. And we thought Amazing Race, our season, they've never seen it. We haven't seen it literally since it aired Mm -hmm. 15 years earlier. Let's watch it together. So we're watching it. And the interesting part of that part about it is the first time we watched it, I was so sensitive to it. It was so real, it was so us that it was as if we were there. You know, even Colin, when he's sleeping on the couch that night, is explaining to me, that happened six months ago. How <laughs> I can't see the difference. 15 years later, and this is what we often don't track within ourselves, which is the recalibration mm-hmm. of who and what we are. So those of us on the leading edge that are saying yes to very rapid expansion part of what holds us back is our own recalibration of who we are, being able to show up as the now more expanded version of who we are. And everyone else can see it clear as day, but we can't, right? So watching ourselves on television, we're, those are no, those people are no longer us. Like we are laughing at them as if they are literally other people. There is just no feeling, there is no contrast feeling at all. And so that in and of itself, right? Because you know, when you, something that used to trigger you that your lover does and then suddenly doesn't, that's usually, a, that's a big key. Oh, wow. That's cool. I've, I, I've done the work. Didn't <laughs> yes. trigger me. You used to, mm-hmm. that used to piss me off. And now I, I literally, I can feel in my body, my nervous system is fine with that. So we witnessed that in ourselves and thought, wow, that's pretty cool. So we're <laughs> in Jackson Hole for spring break, snowboarding, when we're watching the season finale. And 
So I mentioned once a year for my birthday, he and I will drop into a ceremony. We've been doing this for years, just the two of us. Um, And this is at Lake Austin Spa. It's usually a mushroom journey. Um, And that's a beautiful thing that we've been doing now for a while. And um, also every year in Jackson Hole for spring break, snowboarding with our boys, one of those days we will take MDMA and we will go snowboarding on the mountain. And that is usually the day we feel most creative because first of all, if you've ever been to the Teton Mountains and Jackson Hall, the crystal caves, the water, it's just the dreams are so vivid. I'm having my most lucid dreams there. I love to be in the vibration of that land. So already we're really creative. Then we kind of add to the amplitude for that one day with the MDMA. We're snowboarding. We're listening to our music. So that's when we'll start to talk about what do we want to create together, you and I. So yes, he's always supporting me and what I'm doing and I'm supporting him and what he's doing. And he's playing that masculine role for me and I'm playing that Mm -hmm. feminine role for him. But this is a time when it's, what are we creating together? And it was on the mountain that it came to me, text Lynn, which was a casting director for Amazing Race, and just tell her if they ever want old racers back on, we're in. That was so fun. Yeah, they haven't done that yet? They had done other um, All-Stars. We had been invited to the very first one and found out we were pregnant with Achilles and couldn't do it. But now, 15 years later, of course, I don't even know if Lynn still works there, what's going on, but it was so strong. And it was this idea even then, wow, you know, we are different people and not just because it's 15 years later and we've matured and we've had kids, what we've integrated with our own inner child, the expansiveness of our heart, this sort of 5D way of working in the world. We had already shifted even, you know, I think the in the business world, there's still the competition. I mean, people are very much yep. still in the matrix of the way they do business. We had shifted all of our businesses into a more fifth dimensional cooperative. Colin goes into negotiations and he lays it all on the table. There's no games being played. Mm. And what it does is it really brings down the walls of the other, they start to get real. And just the way that negotiation happens between partners, between clients, it's just a whole nother level. So we'd already put that into practice with our businesses. And that was that now creation of wealth that was starting to show. Oh, so in real time, as we're integrating who we are, as we are becoming more heart-centered, that is going into our relationship with everything. Mm. And so instead of being able to work really hard to bring in a bunch of money, we're working smart. We're working with our heart. This this made all the difference in our ability to create the wealth and to create the abundance and hang on to it and build the wealth. That was a big part of it. Um, but going back to uh, being on the mountain and the amazing race and just intuitively feeling like, What a beautiful opportunity to go into reality television, which is fully the matrix, fully the (laughs) Mm -hmm. matrix, the lion's den, and a competition for a million dollars and walk the walk that we talk. Yeah. Let's challenge ourselves 
and see, because in that, to dangle that carrot, and we're both very highly competitive people, and to be able to have full trust in being a cooperative component. So th- this is the idea is um, through the manifestation in more fifth dimensional, right? In the quantum is I am going to reach for my highest vibration that I can reach for in any given moment. Sometimes that may simply be relief if I've been frustrated because the technology isn't working. Other times it may be full on joy and love and ecstasis. But I am going, so this is what we're doing in our everyday life. And what that allows us to do is become a cooperative component for the highest timeline possible. So putting that into the amazing race, it's can we challenge ourselves to reach for the highest vibration possible to get really deliberate with the frequency that we're emitting And it seems to me that there are many, many, many timelines in which Colin and Christy win the amazing race without having to backstab, Mm -hmm. cheat, be over competitive, mean to your right. But hey, that this it's it's good in theory, sounds really good, but can we on television Mm -hmm. in the lion's den actually put that into practice? And if we were able to, wouldn't that be a really cool story arc? Because the Colin and Christy of season five is did not was very much unconscious masculine. Mostly, um, <laughs> uber competitive, won mm-hmm. almost every leg of the race, and then lost the last leg because I believe we were not a cooperative component mm-hmm. to the joy and elation that one is really emitting for the most part to be in vibrational resonance with winning a million dollars. So ultimately, we come up short, but in season five, so we text Lynn. Turns out she does still work for The Amazing Race. She she casts for that and Survivor and a couple of other reality shows. She emails us. She says, thanks for letting me know in that text. She emails us three weeks later and says, as a matter of fact, we were already casting for a um, superstars or what, um, you know, basically former racers, but not just former amazing racers. They were bringing on other um, challengers from Survivor and other Mm. challengers from Big Brother. So these three big CBS reality shows and we are casting. And if you want to be a part of it, you're already in. Say yes. And this is when we leave. And it happened that we were leaving during a time when both of our boys were already with grandma and at camps. There was only one week in that that they didn't have a babysitter, which was very easy to fill. Mm. How and far away was this from the like Jackson Hole? So like months, weeks. Yeah. So Jackson Hole was March. We texted Lynn. We get the email three weeks later, and they were already casting for this All Stars, and they were leaving in June. So, so relatively quick. Very quickly, and we could immediately see, wow, I just tapped into a field. We just hopped Mm. a timeline, just getting into heart coherence and in the joy and the elation and the remembering of what it was, all the positive aspects of what it was to run the race and to do that together allowed me to get into the vibrational vicinity of being able to get the hit to, to even reach out to Lynn in the first place. 
to somehow, because on that level, when you're in that flow, that's where you become the cooperative component. So I become a cooperative component of simply knowing, right, even though I don't consciously know, that there is an all-stars being cast in that moment. And so Colin reaches out. It's the red, it was like they rolled out the red carpet. This is when I know I'm in flow, too, Mm. because if at any given moment on any project, anything that I'm doing, if it suddenly feels like I'm pushing a rock uphill, I don't do it. That program of it takes hard work. You got to work hard. That is a program that I recognize right away when that's happening. Oh, actually, I'm not in flow. Because when I'm in flow, when I'm creating, when I'm in inspired action, it is ease and grace. Like it is literally the red carpet is rolled out. And this is what I'm seeing with the race. I look at Colin and I'm thinking, this is so easy. We are obviously, whatever we are alchemizing, whatever we are sharing in the collective as that bigger intention, right? Our personal intention is, of course, we want to win because we're super competitive. The Mm -hmm. money would be nice too. The larger intention is we are a concept. Colin and Christy is a concept Mm. in this reality world that most people have an idea of through the first season And we really didn't even understand it fully until we were back in that world. And you can feel the projections of the outside world and who and what they think you are, right? They don't know who you really are. But you start to understand the concept of who you are in the collective in that way. And so then the red carpet being rolled out to go back on season 31, I knew, well, we have a big message don't know what it is. We could go out on the third leg, but we have to completely detach from that. So now this is the real work. So now, Mm -hmm. okay, we're on, they've casted us. We're about to start this season. And what are we going to do that allows us to get really deliberate with being a cooperative component for the highest timeline? And, and, And we're assuming there are multiple high timelines where we win, but also realizing the highest timeline might not be having us win. And we have to be okay with that too. Mm. So we'll take it one leg at a time. So we hung out in LA. Uh, Most of these shows do this for a week, just waiting for things to start. Bored. I happen to have packed Think and Grow Rich, the Napoleon Hill book. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying actually is like I've been relating back to, even though it's like it's such a small in part of the book as far as like the what does he call it in the book? Not he doesn't call it sex magic, but sexual transmutation. Yeah, yeah, which is like in 1930. Blew my mind when I read that. 32 yes. or whatever would have been insane. Yeah, to read. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting because it's very clear when you read that book, the level of consciousness that he's operating operating at, meaning he has access to an infinite intelligence that's allowing him to disseminate the code that's in that book, which is on point as far as creating abundance. Um, But you can see the programming that he, at his human level, right, has even in in explaining, if you have sex with a woman that I I think it's sort of like, she must be uh, 
you know, he doesn't understand. He can somehow piece together that these great kings, right? These great men with their first wives were able to achieve these this next level of abundance. And then the moment they sort of threw her away and now I'm successful and they took on another wife, it all goes to shit. So you can mm-hmm. definitely recognize that um, there is a level of real truth and real love that and real depth that must be happening between the two and that um, both of them must be able to um, be vibrating at a certain level of consciousness. He just puts it in his 1930s <laughs> ways, and it just feels very chauvinistic and sexist. But if you can look past all of that, which I, I was able to, I could see it. It was resonating with me. I understood it as far as everything that I had um, been re-remembered, um, re-remembered through Abraham Hicks. Mm-hmm. Here was Napoleon Hill, kind of putting it in more linear terms. So it was a good reminder of how the, this quantum world works. And so this wasn't just the sex magic. So obviously we realized, okay, to the level of depth and to the le- level of intimacy that we can get into and then go into our like create the polarity, heighten that energy as much as possible with each other. So whatever you're doing, I mean, we have processes that are role plays way beyond the bedroom that are that we might be embodying for 48 hours or longer because it's harnessing this energy that then when we finally come together and we actually create that spark, that orgasm, I mean, this energy creates new life. So you're saying building up to the sexual experience, you're 48 hours before you're already calling that in. Yes. Um, If that's what it takes, it may not require that depending on what else is done, but if that's what it takes, because when you're in a relationship for 21 years and you want to harness polarity, it doesn't happen just not like you got to work for it. So when you say polarity, just for like, what's the simple explanation of that for in this example? Yeah. So simple explanation would be thinking of yin and yang coming together. So the balance of opposites and harmony. So the balance of opposites and harmony. So therefore he could in a role play take on the feminine aspect. I could take on the masculine aspect that's really fun in relationship when you start to build enough trust and safety in mm. the container. Now you can start switching what particular aspect you're playing. But the energy that's harnessed between masculine and what we call, and these are just labels, but masculine and feminine aspects, yin and yang coming together, that balance of opposites and harmony, that energy right there. I mean, that's that's the alchemies of Horus. That's what we're wanting to balance within ourselves. This is the energy that Joe Dispenza is wanting you to harness and then pull up from yeah. your root. It's that, right? So when you balance that within yourself, you have the ability. You don't need a partner if you want to go into sex magic and really manifest you harnessing that type of energy and utilizing that because you are electromagnetic. Mm-hmm. So electro is the what you are sending out. The magnetic is what you are pulling in. So that energy, the more energy you have the ability to even hold. So I notice people in breath work 
or um, psychedelics, the energy is so big that they can't, their body goes stiff, right? Mm -hmm. Because they haven't learned how to move that energy out of them. What I notice is when someone really learns how to move that energy through them, that really big energy through them, that's when they start channeling. That Mm. is when a whole nother level of infinite intelligence that they have access to because they're not trying to hold stiff and contain (laughs) the energy. It's not overwhelming them. They're able to allow that to flow through them. So a big part of that is that balance of masculine and feminine inside of you to be able to integrate it, to not feel shame, to not want to hide, to be able to fully express what is wanting to move through you in any given moment, being able to hold that big energy that determines how magnetic you are, right? Your ability to really magnetize big levels of abundance. So that ceiling that people are putting on themselves, yes, there's limiting beliefs around money, but a big part of it is just the inability to flow that kind of energy through your physical system. Mm. So another part of going to the gym or doing the sauna cold plunge beyond, right? Looking good in a bikini is just the ability to manage that energy to be able to to flow that energy to and through you like physically physically be able to do it and this the feminine aspect in the relationship like the fem like not the feminine um because you can go back and forth and and you two females can be together and two males can be together in gender and physical form i'm talking about polarity because the thing the difference between you and your best friend and you and bell is the polarity mm. you don't want to fuck your best friend <laughs> that that energy isn't you see but then again you go to another expanded version maybe you do get to the point where you could play around with that polarity see a lot of when you start to get into BDSM and kink mm-hmm. and that type of sexual exploration, you really are harnessing this more dominant submissive and you can play either role with anybody. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female. For the purposes of this, I'm just talking about the natural inclination inside of your own relationship and mine happens to be mm-hmm. male, female, masculine, feminine. But... Um, you know, it's interesting as Colin and I explore our sexuality and whether it's always been this way and we didn't quite see it or whether it's just expanding into it now is that in that more sensual sexual realm, when we are vibrating at our absolute highest in the vortex, as Abraham would say, I tend to show up in more of the dominant Mm. polarity. So even just a realization like that can you can be blinded to until there's that expansion. And the expansion comes from going back to flowing that energy, right? Any shame, any guilt, any judgment I have for him or me for not being in the designated roles, mm. right? Um is going to block my ability to flow the energy. So the more I integrate any piece of me that doesn't love me, right? All of me is welcome. The more I allow that energy to flow through me, that is what's opening up the code that's really already in the DNA. It's dormant code. It's waking it up going, oh, turns out I might kind of like this. Well, that <laughs> goes beyond what I deemed appropriate before, now, how am I going to handle that? Because that's the thing. Once it's there, it's there. 
now it's been revealed to you. How are you going to show up to this new desire, need, or boundary, right? Because, oh, I didn't have that boundary before, but now that I know myself better, I do. So a boundary Mm -hmm. that came in for me with Colin for the longest time, we're in relationship. He would take it for granted to just touch me whenever Hmm. he wanted. You know, we're in relationship. He Mm -hmm. loves me. I love him. It's safe. Um, And there was a part of me I was disassociated with that wasn't recognizing, but there was a resistance and almost even a whole tightness that sometimes was just imperceptible, but kind of not, right? Interesting, yeah. Um, When that would happen... And eventually, as I'm integrating some inner child piece that wants to speak up, right, and create a boundary, I realize, oh, actually, I would prefer you to ask permission to touch me when you want to touch me. Hmm. Now he's got to integrate hearing that. Yep. So, right. So that's how we're both, right? And Especially in, when you're so used to that. Yeah. And the rejection or all the things that come up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, and and then in the process, as we work through that, and there is plenty of contrast when that first comes up. It doesn't look like, oh, this is what I want. Oh, okay, fine, honey, I love you. Mm-mm. It is all of the things that need to be worked through, and me holding and really feeling confident and grounded in that boundary. Right? Is it a desire or is it a boundary? Right? That's also. Ooh. And and they're different. Is it a desire? Is it a need? Right? They're different because a need is like, we're in relationship and I need this. Can you give it or not? And if you're not resonant with that need because you have a boundary, right? That's something you have to look at. That's now a truth you have to be willing to look at. So all of the nuances, like that's what I mean by that deepest level of truth. Is, Hella nuance. Yes, it is. <laughs> Especially the longer you're in relationship. This is why the limerent stage, right, at the first couple of years of a relationship goes pretty smooth because you've got pheromones, it's new, you're just not quite at a level of depth. You've seen yourself this deep and you you like yourself pretty good. <laughs> oh, but now year three, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Oh, I don't know if I like those parts of me. And what I mean by that is I don't like, I'm not accepting the part of me that wants that boundary from you, Colin. I'm not accepting her. I'm not allowing her to speak up. I am I am not giving her validation. So that's what I mean by not loving. So as I give her validation, speak up, share, as he's able to hold, as he's not able to hold space for that, that's where there's a block in the sexual polarity. As he is able to hold space for that, that energy starts to lift. And then the expanded version of that is realizing, oh, wow, it's like really kinky and a big turn on Mm. when you ask your my permission all the way through the sexual sense. experience. Wow. So now, see, we had to get past this. And 
that's, I see a lot of people doing spiritual work and they really do a lot of inner child shadow and they, they spend a lot of time there. They don't ever quite get to, there is a light side of that. There is an expanded Mm -hmm. version of that. If you can just get through it, because that's the other thing too, is something's a boundary for me today. I've noticed, Hey, it's not a boundary for me tomorrow. And it turns out I've actually, it's not a boundary because I've healed some piece of me. Yep. And now I get to taste the sweet nectar of the expanded version of what that creates in my life. So being nimble with those desires, those needs, those boundaries, revisiting those on a, I mean, at the very least monthly basis, but depending on where you're at in your relationship, how much expansion is happening, what's coming through, really a um, practice I like to do is fears, desires, and what I love about you, because it really gets the relationship to a, a deeper level of truth. And you start sharing things that maybe you haven't even thought about for yourself, because that's that's the thing, right? You're in relationship. You've been in the, that relationship for a couple of years, and you've been growing, and that other person has been growing as well, but now you haven't recalibrated who and what you are. They haven't recalibrated who and what they are. So she's projecting an older version of you. You're projecting an older version of her. Everyone else around you is probably noticing your growth, mm-hmm. and and you're trying to integrate that. But the but the lover is actually reminding you of the older self because he or she hasn't recalibrated themselves to who and what you are now, right? And who and what they are now. And that's a constant recalibration that needs to happen in a relationship so that you can continue to actually see each other at a level of depth. When you look at relationships that dissolve, really it's they no longer see each other at that same level of debt because one or the other has grown and um, the other one cannot recalibrate to who and what they are. Because if you have expanded, right, you've downloaded some codes and you've gone on on an expansive growth journey and I've been hanging out, Netflixing and chilling, right? Mm -hmm. Um, All good, but suddenly you become someone that other people can see that I can't see. And to the extent that you're willing to be in relationship with someone who cannot see you for who you are now, right? That's, you'll either keep yourself stuck so you can maintain the relationship or the relationship you'll just leave. And usually mm-hmm. that's when you know a relationship's meant to dissolve because it really isn't a whole lot of pain. It's it's really just a, this is this is what's right for me now. And that is interesting. And I love how you bring this up because it's a perfect segue even to the retreat is because it's that's I love it. It was it was perfect. Again, thank you for guiding us. But like mm-hmm. how it really is a recalibration because like the days are right are like connection, communication, celebration. And that connection is essentially, I mean, all parts, all of that communication is a part of that. Even celebration is a part of that. But the connection is almost like a recalibration mm-hmm. to, and whether it's once once a month, um, Bell and I have something on our schedule once a week. It's, you know, 
kind of quick and easy, but then something every once in a while, like it'll be a deeper conversation. But think of even quote unquote conscious couples don't like take time to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. And to your point of that is probably why it dissolves or there's, uh, what do I want to say? Like frustration, strife, out of coherence. Contrast. Yeah, dissonance, Mm -hmm. whatever is like probably because you haven't taken time to, like you said, you don't see each other anymore. You don't, and so if you if Uh you were really going to be committed and you wanted to stay committed in the relationship, you might start to look at what is the need, desire, or boundary that's not being voiced. And when I finally get to it, can I? Am I willing to voice it? And is it resonant with the partner? So, if you were at your deepest level of truth, you could get to a place where this is a boundary or this is a need, and the partner could be, I hear you, I validate that, and I'm unwilling to, or not willing to. Now you know, okay, the relationship. That's what's happening anyway. It's just not being said. (laughs) That's so true. Oof. So as we close, what is, I mean, so much truth definitely has been spoken very, I can only imagine, because I don't think, yeah, I've never really talked about any of this stuff or much at length on the podcast. So in closing, what else is on your heart do you feel called to share about? I think the biggest thing that was coming in when you mentioned that before is just a reminder that we are all having a human experience and to have compassion for ourselves, for the living of that human experience, that it's not meant to be in joy and in love all the time, that a big part of this is to learn and understand where we're blocking ourselves from more love and then to expand into that um, to the extent that we can do the inner work and heal those pieces that are blocked from love. And that as we do that, that is our journey. That is our beautiful human journey. And while it always feels best to be in that expanded version, that growth cycle, those seasons tell us that the only thing constant is that everything changes. So the more compassion we can have for ourselves, the more ability we have to just get into the flow of the energy of our life. And the more we can love ourselves, the more we're able to connect to our internal guidance system and just know which way we want to flow and realize that the contrast is going to pre- present itself, in, especially in relationship along the way, but that this is really happening for us, not to us. So the reminder is, as much as I like to live in the spiritual world and upgrade and download new code, um, what 
I most appreciate about this life, what really harnesses the most amount of energy and pure potentiality in me is the ability to feel my deepest, my deepest grief, my my deepest sadness so that I can reach for my greatest joy and my greatest love. It is it is my relationships, the tangible pieces in my life that I most appreciate that bring me uh, the most fulfillment in this human experience. So to appreciate um, all that's being presented um, so that you can really suck the nectar out of life. Well, I love that, Christy, because we pulled cards before we began. And the the first card, surrender, then it goes into self-mastery, then it goes into miracles, and then the last card is gratitude. And all of what you just explained, and essentially, I mean, you said like, we're going to look back at these cards and we'll see this theme in the conversation, but that's the season. Even if you look at, look, that's winter. Mm. Mm-hmm. That spring, summer, maybe fall. It's kind of like mm-hmm. even the colors and the yeah. so yeah. like mm-hmm. that's just really cool to like look at definitely guided and in coherence. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of gratitude, we mentioned earlier, I don't think this part was recorded, but reverence. And we were speaking on the recalibration of self. I think one of the biggest hacks to be able to upgrade, to recalibrate, right? To get access to our own codes that we are carrying is having reverence for for self. So um, that gratitude, realizing that a big part of that expression was, um, you know, as I'm speaking to the collective, I'm speaking to myself, Christy, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And... It is safe to express who you are. It, ex- it is safe to be who you are and have reverence for the beautiful energy that is flowing to and through you. Yay. Well, Christy, thank you for co-creating this space with me. Thank, thank you, you for you. holding space. And- yeah, your patience <laughs> through the technological difficulties. Um, I know you don't... Do you still... Do you no longer work with people one-on-one? Or is it special occurrences? Very, very special occurrences, depending on what's going on in my life. And and that's always a season too. That may change. I, again, just, I am always in that flow. And um, Colin and I create abundance outside of our spirituality, specifically so that we can choose to express that whenever it really does feel most inspired and in integrity. And sometimes that does include coaching or mentoring someone one-on-one. At the moment, though, um, I just stick to group facilitation and group activations Mm -hmm. is what typically gets inspired through me. And what is the best way for people to like connect and jump into your field? (laughs) Jump into my field. Likely, as far as social media is concerned, Instagram is the one that I'm on. I'm not always on there. Um, I've come to realize, at least for now, a big part of my medicine is in-person containers. And usually someone comes into my field through 
word of mouth. They show up at my Soul Land Sunday container or some other container like that. And the relationship tends to build. I do know when someone comes into my space and I'm meant to work with them um, specifically to activate. And what I notice is I don't necessarily want to touch a million people, but I tend to work with people who Mm -hmm. are touching millions of people. And that's the way that the energy is working through me. That's my medicine right now. And um, so, yeah, um, usually it's someone in the healing space and the coaching space, um, some type of growth like that, or or someone comes like you um, mm-hmm. and asks me to um, to be a part of a retreat, and I will just feel into my heart space and know if um, my energy and my codes and what I've learned along the way really can bring true value to that container and it feels reciprocal and I say yes. And otherwise I, I, I say no. So if you're coming into my field, it's because somehow our energies have become resonant with each other, mm. most likely in a, in a physical form. And I love that. I love getting to um, experience more and more mirrors in my life as I've been able to do that, that internal work in myself. I'm always, thought of myself as very introverted and reserved and really afraid to open up to too many people. And as I've been able to calm my nervous system, soothe my nervous system, really heal a lot of those pieces, I can have containers, be in a container with 60 people, right? And witness myself and be able to hold myself in that unconditional love through all of those mirrors. So it's it's really fun on a group level to realize that um, even that collective conscious is is you embodied, mm-hmm. reflected back to you. So I feel as though I've been able to, to really expand my own ability to receive myself through multiple mirrors at one time, especially inside of what one might call a more deliberate or spiritual container. So Dang. Well, again, truly like, thank you. I'm excited to hear... This was like in depth. So I'm excited to hear what people think about it. And do you want to say your Instagram? Yes, Christy Woods <laughs> One. Christy Woods One. Um, and I do have a fun series that is coming out that I filmed. It was a conversation I filmed with my best friend, also named Christy. And uh, we've. Uh, called each other Christy Squared, but this series is called Practical Magic. And we cover topics like sacred sexuality and couples coaching couples, sacred union, healing the sister wound, um, opening portals, channeling. We, we really go all the way into the deepest realms of um, the witchery, but we also apply it to the 3D realm, which is why it's called Practical Magic. So that is a series that will be coming out on my Instagram. And I think it will bring a lot of value. It definitely will. And do you know when that's coming out yet? The plan is spring of 2022. So yeah, hopefully sometime mid-March, we'll start releasing those episodes. And they'll just be anywhere from five to eight minute episodes on any given topic. We make it fun. We make it light. But we also, in, in the conversation, really challenge ourselves to be as authentic and as in truth with each other so that 
um, whatever code, that's really the terminology I like to use, that a viewer might have the opportunity of downloading if they were to watch is able to come through in its highest integrity. That's so cool. So it'll come out shortly after this episode is released. And for any couples, conscious couples, aware couples, any other couple you word label you want to attach to it, um, in the link in the show notes, there'll be two so you can apply for the retreat we have coming up in Austin. And that is in May. So we will see you soon if that calls to your heart, if you get that full yes. And Christy, thank you again. And we're done. Thank you. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And don't miss out on the couples retreat if you are a conscious couple that wants to recalibrate, reconnect, and create the relationship and future for yourself. And dive into those needs, desires, and boundaries that you might be too afraid to address. And you like support in those areas. And we are... Ooh, the whole team the whole retreat team is excited this house is incredible so if you are at all interested click the link in the show notes so you can apply and be there with seven other amazing couples and if you haven't already subscribe follow do the podcasty things that we tell you to do leave a review but do it because it makes your heart sing and you want to spread this love and wisdom to people so it can be recommended to them so they can benefit from it in a similar way that you have. I love you. Thank you for being here. I'll see you soon.